Hello. Today I just wanted to share with you a little about, I suppose, some terminology regarding awakening. And that terminology is the word maya, or illusion, as sometimes called. And maybe to clarify that a little bit, or to, to broaden out the scope of it, to understand it, how it relates to specifically awakening and self-inquiry and neti-neti and the full embrace, as I call it, or embracing no other. So maybe we'll explore that a little bit because I see some aspirants or students or adherence to non-duality can sometimes confuse or limit down these terms and it corrals them somewhat or gives them a, a little disdain for life. So maybe we can broaden that out a little bit. So often there's a strategy taken with self-inquiry especially when it's coupled with neti-neti, and it is to help the seeker, spiritual seeker, to come back to the realization of, maybe you could call it their static self, that which is unborn. And that process, I've described it in other podcasts, it's, it's, it's excellent, but sometimes it's misapplied or misunderstood. So, the neti neti uses the approach <clears throat> that anything that I can perceive, sense, touch, taste, that is an object. And we try to track the perceiver or the subject who or what is witnessing this. We try to turn to face our own source, so to speak. So it's an orientation process. And in that, we kind of disregard the objects. Okay, I'm not this couch, I'm not this camera. Okay, I'm not these sensations, I'm not this breath. I'm not these thoughts, sensations. And it brings us back to a quieter, 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 the silent self. And the more we can rest in and as this silence the more it undoes this kind of gravitational pull of the surface personality, we could call it, that which we normally take ourselves to be. So a fantastic approach. Sometimes it can be taken on too much as a, an idea and not actually practiced. That we say, oh yes, I understand the idea of it, therefore yes, okay, that's what I am, okay. But that doesn't undo that energetic construct of that identity rooted to the surface personality. So a fantastic approach, but what we also may fail to see, and that is when that is actually realized that the static self or unborn nature. We say, ah, 
this self alone is. And then there's this return of full embrace and even this world is the self. So we start off with a kind of a rejection of objects. And we say, okay, not this, not this, not this. And what can happen to some students or aspirants is that they come to a taste of this realization and they go, oh yes, the statics of this, this is it, this is what I am and all the rest is illusion. And they discount it. They try to kind of hide out in the unborn, so to speak. There's no one to hide out, but it's an expression. And that one, that kind of leaves one with a very delineated, you could say, dualism, because there's reality and illusion. Oh, we have failed to then really embrace everything as part of that oneness. The universe, the universal energy, which is often called uh, Chichakti, it's the conscious force of manifestation in this world. It too is the self, it too is the one. So what I've noticed with some people is that even before they've maybe fully open to that static self or the silent self, that realization, they have a kind of an intellectual understanding and it can discount the world very quickly. That process of rejection is part of the teaching of self-inquiry. You kind of just say, no, not this. For this moment, I leave that. I'm investigating something else. And I get, I'm investigating what is this subjectivity. But sometimes I see that certain people can get a disdain or this kind of animosity towards the world or a belittling of it, of this chichakti, which is consciousness, the movement of consciousness manifesting. And, but this too is the self. This too is the one. So the world you know, we can label the world nearly as evil or maya or temptress. It's like, you know, it's fooling us. That's just uh, enforcing our ideas on it. Really, what is limiting is our position. Where do we view from? What do we look as? Do we look from the surface personality and go, or the world is hurting me, they're suffering. I want done with it. I want up and out. I want to be, you know, liberated into this unborn nature. But the self is one, and it includes this manifest world, so to speak. It is divine. We sometimes forget to fail to appreciate without this, I sometimes call it the Divine Mother, this universal Divine Feminine quality that is a power that brings about this evolutionary force that allows for material, bodies, speech, relationships, that without this body there is no realization. 
without this mind to inquire, there can be no inquiry. Without this vital energy that has the desire to seek, to know, there can be no orientation, no movement. Without this universal mother, there is no nutrients, no nutrition, food to eat, homes, friends, fun. This too is divine. And maybe you could define divinity as not adhering to any limited position or separation to say this I am and this I'm not. There is a very functional sense of individuality that I'm here and I can move in the world. It gives me a sense of proportion and relation. But simultaneously, one can really see that one is consciousness. One moves in consciousness as consciousness. That we see the consciousness, the conscious force in others, this beingness in others. You could say this beingness delights in knowing itself, in becoming conscious of itself in all its forms. So we have this process of becoming that allows for to become conscious of our potential as this being. It's this wonderful dance between the two. I sometimes use the word dynamic stillness phrase dynamic stillness. So if you are pro, uh, practicing the technique of self-inquiry, when you're practicing it, there is a process, if you're using neti neti with it, of rejection, not this, not this, not this. Let no callousness creep in, disdain, judgment, mockery, belittling. Because this is again to harden yourself, to close yourself off from the very beauty that you are, which is life. This universal impulse to know, to dance. And of course, when I use the, the term divine feminine, it's, it's our nature as well. It's what we are as a human being. And this isn't only for man or woman, it's a man or woman can embody this quality of reverence for all life, you could say, maybe. A respect for that which we are in movement. Maybe the greatest joy is to see the divine in everything. Sometimes there's a process that's very easily maybe to fall into 
kind of when, especially as an aspirant or seeker, if we have some despair or hurt in the world, unprocessed hurts, it's like, oh, I want done with this. This is too much, you know, from traumas, depressions. And this is part of life that there's this suffering aspect, but you could say generally, maybe always you could say, this suffering is due to limited positioning from a self-centeredness, that we come at things from the position of a surface personality who's out for themselves, sometimes out for themselves and their family, but it's a very small, it can be quite prideful, arrogant, greedy, hurtful, willing to hurt others, willing to do whatever it takes to get what it wants. So there's these qualities to it. These qualities can be transformed. And this is the beauty of recognizing the Divine Feminine, that it has a transformational aspect. Like we can realize this silent self, peaceful, calm, unperturbed. And the temptation is just say, oh, well, the rest is just some play, it'll take care of itself, it's spontaneous. And there's no, there's nearly a fear of it or a disdain. And really, if there's one, there's only one. And to embrace that too, is an act of love and compassion to bring everything on board. And sometimes that takes work, transformation, healing, to uncover aspects in our surface personality that still unbalance us, so to speak, or unbalance others around us, how we transmit ourselves in the world. For me, I see it's very important Maybe you could say that it has deep significance what we do and how we are in the world. And how we treat each other. So yes, we can realize that silent self and then how do we embody that? Do we live that highest realization? Do we meet others from that depth of peace and calm and let it move, let it flow out in the world? So then what I'm really talking about is a living realization. where there's not this opposition of real and false, of maya or this reality. One reality, oneself. Even beyond the idea of oneness. Naturally, there is different poises of consciousness. There's a poise of consciousness where we can say, I am an individual. There's a poise of consciousness to say, I'm everything. And then we can also say, I'm nothing. 
all true in a way. So we can be very fluidic, very at ease, very comfortable with all that we are. And to recognize even all that we are in manifestation is not all that we are, but it includes this too. So I hope that explains a little bit and I hope to broaden that out in my teaching and offerings over the next while because I see it as important and maybe also to include a little bit about a deeper aspect of individuality and that what you could call the evolving soul or divine presence within us, that which goes through successive births in a process of evolution and how to let that emerge to guide us in really our unfolding as living divinity. in this process of unending realization that we're all a part of. So thank you for taking some time to share with me and be with me. And I'll see you soon. <laughs>